Welcome to Legacy Sport Live, stories of the people who are shaping the conversation at the intersection of sport, business and purpose. I'm Neil Duffy, co-author of our new book, Legacy Sport, how to win at the business of sport in the age of social good. Today I'm talking to Kirk Sauder, co-founder of social impact agency Enzo and the Sole Purpose Leadership Conference. Kirk has coached high-impact leaders, executives, and organizations to amplify innovation through finding alignment between personal purpose and organizational purpose, and he shares this wisdom and more with us today. Kirk, uh, great to have you with us today. Um, Kirk and I got to know each other um, through some work that I've done with his agency Enzo and specifically on a couple of projects, including Good Men in Sport, um, where Kirk is on the advisory board. Kirk, um, you've always impressed me as being someone that has a great degree of inner stillness and calm um, when everything seems to be storming around you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sure that that's been something that's developed over the years. I'd like to start out by just giving our listeners um, the opportunity to understand a little bit of your background. So you come from a sort of very traditional creative advertising background, don't you? Yeah, that's correct. I, I, the bulk of my earlier career was spent as a executive creative director, both uh, running, you know, from running large agencies to, uh, uh, starting um, uh, a couple of my own in the process, and so so yeah, I was been a in the marketing and branding field for a while until about twelve years ago when I you know shifted focus towards um, coaching leaders towards purpose. Mm -hmm. And so so what kind of um, I mean we all have our aha moments. Yeah. What what was yours? I mean, what you were working with? I'm sure some of the biggest brands in the world on doing sort of traditional marketing, and something must have changed for you to change direction like that. That's that's very accurate, uh, Neil. Um, I at the time was president and CCO of of Publicis and Riney in San Francisco, about a 400 person um, agency that was kind of renowned for doing great work and and. Um, and yet, despite all that, after you know a 20, 25 year um, uh, uh, run in the business, I just found myself in a place of, um, for the first time, feeling dread of going into work. And uh, one day, um, uh, I get a phone call, and you know, I I have the good fortune to have survived what had been called a, a terminal cancer prognosis in my adolescence. So I went through a a five-year journey with cancer from the ages of 17 to 22, 23. And, um, and as a result of surviving that, I'm on call for various hospitals to do peer-to-peer -peer counseling with new patients. And, and so this, the ver this very day that I, I became aware of how much dread I was experiencing going to work and kind of doing that, the same thing I've been doing for a long time, I get a phone call and it's a it's a newly diagnosed patient with uh, sarcoma, the kind of cancer I had, and I just found my energy shift immediately in terms of, you know, um, being on that call, talking to that person, helping them, and um, and I realized that uh, 
something else was calling me to do. If that's where all my aliveness was, then there was something there. And um, uh, to make a, a long story short, I found myself in a graduate program uh, for counseling in a specific kind of vein called spiritual psychology. And it was highly transformational of me, not just in terms of career, but also in you know the awareness of, of who I really am and, and as opposed to my thoughts and judgments and what the world really is as opposed to my thoughts and judgments and a, a deep connection to my inner purpose through that process. And so um, I emerged from that program um, with a desire to help leaders, specifically leaders in business, to have that same kind of awakening so that uh, purpose and positive impact could make its, its way into um, uh, the platforms of business, knowing that they are the predominant platforms of influence in our world. And so if positive change isn't being integrated and coming through those, then we are missing our greatest opportunity to do so. And so uh, uh, since then, you know, that's, that's what I've been doing is help helping high impact leaders, typically leaders who have, you know, reached that place. Um, uh, they always wanted to reach only to find like me <laughs> at the time, uh, it being an empty arrival and, and now looking for meaning and I help them kind of navigate that new ascent for them. Uh, fascinating. And, I, and I, don't, I don't mean to demean your experience or your story, but it's a story that you hear told so many times, isn't it? Um, it is. It's a it common, is. common feature of many, many people's lives. So, um, I mean, my, just as an aside, my, my journey to purpose was also inspired by an, an uh, encounter with cancer. So we have that in common. Yeah, I call it a, I, I call mortality the force function of, of purpose. Yeah. It's kind of like when we really wake up and see, it's not, not just seeing how finite life is and really understanding, like we all say we're going to die someday, but we really don't understand or really know that. And, and cancer kind of wakes us up to that. And, and also, you know, a desire to somehow you know, bring something, a legacy of meaning. And, um, and I think that's, that might be one of the reasons why we even have that experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, it was a complete wake up call around, you know, what were my values? What was important in my life? What did I want to be spending my time, resources and, and talents um, focusing on? And uh, yeah, so, so, so just to change gear a little bit from that. So, you know, we've spoken so far about um, primarily individual purpose. And I guess if you're in the corporate sector, there's a lot of focus on organizational purpose, um, particularly these days. I mean, we're, we're starting to understand that businesses that are, that lead with the purpose of standing for something more than just profits outperform those that don't. Um, and so it's becoming de rigueur these days to, you know, at an organizational level to, to try and start thinking about organizational purpose and how you might change your organization, the way you run as a result of that. What, what have you found is the, I mean, I know with the work that you and Sebastian do at Enzo, um, it's very organizationally focused, but what's the connection between organizational focus and personal focus, or per personal purpose? Well, from, you know, my experience and I think where we are at Enso and, and in the, the transformative work I do, it's really important for people to first, you know, leaders or anyone in the organization to first um, 
really understand what brings them alive, what, you know, is their calling, and then find the intersection of that and the broader mission of the company, and then to create and innovate and lead from there. Um, because if, if that isn't understood, then um, we're really not able to either be our best selves or even give our best selves to the company and um, and to the mission and and so um, the the you know the the journey that typically happens and the processes we do is to first you know have our leaders or you know I, I did a a workshop for the entire um, uh, design group at Mattel uh, from you know the top designers and leaders all the way to the PAs with this so you know, it, it works across the board, but, but for people to first examine, kind of put their, their thinking mind and thought mind aside and get in contact with a deeper part of themselves. And from there, really look at what brings them alive and then find that intersection so that they become totally engaged, not just engaged at work, which we know is so important. We look at the latest Gallup polls of only 14% of the world's workforce is actually engaged in the, the job they're doing. And I think it's because they just don't see the connection between that and why they're here. So to really establish that connection and then that energy fuels such much greater engagement, innovation, creativity, um, uh, collaboration. Um, so it amplifies in an exponential degree um, uh, the, um, the productivity and innovation that's available with every person. And so they benefit because in a way, the, the company becomes just you know, a big platform for them to actualize their purpose and the company benefits because they're getting a leader or an employee who um, is engaged in a whole different level in terms of their day-to-day -day, um, uh, work with the company. I guess that for somebody starting off on this journey, um, would it be fair to say that that there's a fair amount of, um, what's the word, right word to use, a fair amount of good faith or trust in terms of the process? Because it's kind of feasible that, you know, once you start this journey at an individual level, you might actually realize that there isn't alignment with what your company is doing and that you might need to find another place to, to share your, your, uh, your, your gifts to, to um, society. Yes. I mean, that does sometimes happen. And, and I, and I've come to think of it as less that there so much that there wasn't an intersection, uh, more that uh, they are simply meant to be somewhere else to actualize what they're, what's in their hearts. But you know, as an example, with the um, with what we did with the the design group at Mattel, I've I've been I've worked with the global head of product design there, named Kim Kulmoni for a long time, and through her wanting to see her purpose um, uh, come through in the world, she was on the fence as to whether she needed to leave Mattel or stay, and through uh, through our work. Um, saw that um, she could look at the entire platform as a means to realize her purpose, which in her mind was to help the disenfranchised and marginalized of the world. And so 
Kim is the one who created the, the whole diversity line of Barbies, Barbies with uh, uh, disabilities. Um, just in the past month, the Barbie who meditates and, and teaches children to meditate. And finally, a, a, a line called Creatable World, which is the first gender neutral doll line, which um, Time Magazine uh, just gave one of the top inventions of 2019. So she found great alignment. And the good news is all those products are also have been very good business uh, for Mattel. At the same time, you know, with the workshop we did, just as an example, there was a, 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 um, a PA, a personal assistant there, who first, you know, she said, I don't, didn't know why I came here, but as I embarked on this process and identified that bringing joy was really what brought me alive, and, but I was looking at it just in terms of my family. But then I realized, why not bring that here? And so my personal impact plan, something we have people develop, is going to be to bring joy to every meeting that I organize. And, um, and then she started to diminish it, like a, that might not create big things like Kim, but then we stopped her and I said, do you realize that your purpose of bringing joy, if you bring that to meetings like, and, and create that energy in the beginning, that, that actually that state of mind creates way more innovation and creativity and change than the typical state of mind people are coming to meetings in. And uh, you may have more, actually more impact because of that than even Kim sitting, sitting next to me because um, uh, you doing that for a meeting may you know, enable people to have ideas that really change the world. And, um, and that's really the way impact works. And, and that's why you know, it, it's, there is a wide berth in terms of how we find the intersection between our calling and the, the broader mission of the company, which in this case, which is to bring out the potential in every girl. So um, those are examples of how this works. Mm. So the exciting message out of all of that is that the two are not mutually exclusive and there are opportunities to combine your personal purpose with your organizational purpose and in the process achieve, you know, better outcomes for everybody that's involved. That's exactly it. It's a, it's a beautiful shared value mechanism for companies. So if there's anybody out there listening to this, thinking to themselves, you know what, what Kirk said, and I really, really resonates with me. I'm not really happy doing what I'm doing and I want to try and, connect with myself at a kind of deeper, more meaningful level and bring that to, to my work. What would, what would your advice be as to the kind of steps that they should follow or the process that they should follow to get from where they are now to where they aspire to be? I think the first thing I would say is to, um, is to first take a deep breath and relax. It's not something that has been designed to be a struggle, although we tend to like to make things that and to um, first just begin self-observation that is in your daily life um, uh, what when do you notice those moments or experiences or you know actions you engage in that that bring you a sense of aliveness and joy and energy there's not those kinds of things that you could just keep doing um, and uh, you know never feel tired basically and to look at that and say like what's underneath that what is happening underneath that that is really what is at the core like like for instance i just did a, a workshop like this with the um wise la board of directors wise is a um uh is a 
an organization. It's, it's women in sports and events. And um, uh, they asked me to come in to do this with their board of directors um, so that they could both, you know, be more engaged in the organization, but also in their, in their businesses outside of it. And um, that I actually, you know, gave them a journal uh, before the workshop to say, you know, take note of this, uh, what brings you alive. And what was underneath, like, a lot of it for them in terms of the things in their daily life that, that brought them alive were, were just core human endeavors like connection and service. Um, and, um, uh, you know, again, to, 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 to bring joy to others. And so in the connection and in that observation, and, you know, they were able to see lots of opportunities of how, you know, they could do that in their, in their platform. So I think first is to kind of that self-awareness, like what in my day is bringing me joy, or if that's not happening, what would I do that would bring me joy? And then look underneath it and see what the core value is that that is probably what your your calling is centered around. I guess I guess the tough thing that arises in that situation is the is the scary thought around well maybe if I'm if if my personal purpose is not aligned with the organization I'm working with right now but I rely on this job to pay the bills and feed the family and pay the rent and all that kind of stuff how do how do I how do I break that that kind of cycle of dependence almost on a on a role that's that's not fulfilling or allowing me to be my best self? Well, I, I would say there are three different kind of ways to go there. You know, one would be to say, okay, like um, maybe it is time for me to create something um, that I've always wanted to create um, that will still sustain me and my family fine, but, you know, will also be something that brings me alive and brings positive impact to the world. So to start uh, an enterprise, another is to, you know, see it, you know, start to explore and lean into opportunities in other um, uh, companies and see if something aligns. But, you know, the third would, for me would be to also just take a deeper look at where you're at and a deeper look in terms of what your calling is like the example of that of uh, that personal assistant and just the the sheer um calling of bringing joy um is something that you know i can't think of a company where that wouldn't align um well, there, there probably are but i just can't think of them um so you know there's the there's three options and i think the, the very first thing and this is a common um, uh, mental construct that I come upon a lot in the people I work with, and it existed in me too, is something I had to, to um, become aware of and let go, is a lot of us carry around this polarity between um, what I do for service or joy or, or a calling is different than what I do for business and sustainment. They, there's a polarity gets, that gets created that actually is not real. There's no Rosetta Stone in the center of the universe that where that's written, where it's like, you know, work is struggle and and um, dreadful. And then there's this thing you do on the side that's purposeful and, and joyful. Um, it's it's just not real. It's a mental construct we do, we we develop. And so if we look at that and let that go and we may find that we that we have a different lens of how we're looking at the world and suddenly we're seeing 
all the opportunities that actually exist that bring those together for us. You know, that was, you know, part of Kim's process at Mattel was to actually see that um, uh, once she let go of that, that polarity was law inside of her, suddenly her outer reality, you know, transitioned um, to meet that, you know, because she was looking at it through a lens of, of new possibility. So, um, you know, all those three are options and one isn't um, better than the other. Uh, it really comes down to, again, kind of where we're, what we're being called to do. And sometimes we're being called to go out and create something brand new. Right. And I, the thing I like about the third option is that, you know, often, often it's easier to drive change when you're part of the system than outside the system. So look for ways that you can leverage what's already in place um, in order to make it more purposeful. Um, and I think the other thing for that for me was also kind of a, an aha moment was, you know, this idea of doing good while doing well. Um, yes. you don't, it's not, again, it's not a polarized or a binary um, conversation. It's, it's possible to be purposeful and to do better for the business. Absolutely. And in fact, you know, that's really the central premise, I think, of the new business paradigm that we're talking about, you know, the, the concept of shared value as, you know, first written about by, you know, uh, uh, Porter and Kramer at Harvard of that the future of business really is about that. It is about both, um, uh, you know, creating a profitable um, uh, a mechanism that also uh, um, puts out into the world things that, you know, make our world and experience better. And so it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's not only that it's, it's, it's a fictitious mental co concept that we're doing away with. We're actually um, uh, preparing ourselves for what is the, the business paradigm that we're, we're all moving into, um, whether we believe it or not. Right, right. So just building on that um, a little bit. So, you know, I think it's probably fair to say that um, business as a whole has at last started to wake up to this. So we're seeing more and more organizations recognizing that it's possible to do good while doing well. Um, but I, I'm pretty critical of the extent to which sport um, has recognized um, this shift that's underway. And I, and, I, and I think that part of the reason for that is that the kind of prevailing business model in sport has worked for the last 30 or 40 years. Um, and so there haven't been any external pressures applied to the people that run sport to maybe look at things differently. But I, I think that's starting to change really quickly. And, and, and I'm personally really excited about that because I think of all the sectors out there, sport is so rich of opportunity to make the world a better place. And if you're an executive working in sport, as opposed to, for example, air conditioning or you know other, other categories that are perhaps less sexy, sexy, sport's really fertile ground to explore this whole space, isn't it? I, it's, it's not a fertile ground. I mean, I look at it as the single greatest untapped um, potential power for uniting the world with purpose because um, it, it, you know, it has such gravity in our culture as we look at, you know, the unfortunate incidents of the last few weeks in terms of the, the passing of Kobe Bryant um, and we see how what that has evoked in people um, um, in, this, in the sense of, you know, you see the, you know, the interviews of the crowds around the Staples Center and there is this first, this, this great admiration, but then 
in a week, those interviews start to become uh, people talking about what he then has just inspired them to do in their lives, right? So that is a microcosm of, of the power of sports in that there are so many heroes in it, Here, you know, pe uh, uh, human beings, people consider heroes. And so the um, power should um, uh, sports really embrace and own that about itself to create a change in a massive scale because of its ability to touch so many people meaningfully, uh, to me makes it, yeah, the, the greatest untapped resource on the planet right now. And I, I was interested to hear you say that you just done that exercise with the woman in sports group. I mean, that's, that sounds like uh, progress and, and uh, sounds like people are starting to wake up to what's possible. Well, it, you know, it's, it's kind of like business in general, Neil, where, you know, what first pushed change, what were kind of the, you know, the, the activists out there of, you know, we're going to scream and shout because you're doing something wrong. And then um, that, that had, was, a, was a force um, for change in business. And then, then it became, well, because our consumers are now looking for businesses that are doing that, we need to really change. But what's really exciting, I think, now about business and sports, as exemplified by the women on the board of, of, of Wise LA, is that now we have a generation moving into these categories and, and areas who have a natural, innate um, uh, understanding that they are going to use wherever they are to, um, to, to bring their calling out into the world and to somehow create benefits. So um, that's the exciting time we live in is that it's gonna happen from the inside out now. Um, and ideally we're doing things that um, uh, even speed that up and, and let those particular people and leaders who are emerging know that um, uh, sports is a platform that you know, has tremendous potential and power and, and hopefully even thereby create gravity to, you know, um, real um, high quality leaders to that area to create change through. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're, you're so right. And it's, it, I think it even goes further than that. So we work on a, a project called the Danone Nations Cup, which is the largest soccer tournament for under 12 boys and girls in the world. They have 2 million, two million kids participate in this event every year. Um, and it's been amazing to experience how kids of that age also have a voice and an opinion about stuff that, uh, you know, when I think back to when I was 12 years old, I was more worried about which tree I was going to climb or was going to ride my bike. Right. But these kids today are, I mean, they're world citizens and they, they know about issues and they, they want to make a difference and hold people accountable. So I think there's a really exciting wave coming up behind the, you know, the, the, the next wave, the next generation that is starting to enter leadership now. Absolutely. It, it, it's simply happening, you know, in our, all the research we do at ENSO, whether it's for the work I do or, or the, the, the cultural interventions we create is indicating that, uh, you know, the millennials, but even more so Gen Z um, is, is in the game to act on what they see as the betterment of the world. Um, so, so that's happening. And, and I think that will ideally create this evolution in sports. When I look at sports rates now, right now, it's kind of like, okay, you know, um, uh, just taking athletes as an example, I'm going to 
uh, have my career. I'm going to really rock my career. And then when I retire and, you know, that's when I'll think about kind of uh, how I want to give back and, and what I want to do and, and, and from a, a meaning point of view. And I think um, this new generation, you know, just simply will not be patient in them, inside themselves to, to wait till then. It will be, why would I put that off? You know, why wouldn't I have that be a part of, um, of what I'm doing um, it, while I'm in my prime? And, um, and that's what's really exciting to, to somehow facilitate um, that awareness um, in, in that group of people. Right. And so in closing, Kirk, what would you, I mean, what would your message be to, um, you know, to the people that are running sport or have their careers in sport right now that are, have been inspired by this conversation and are starting to um, think about what's next for them? What, what would you say to them? Well, I would say that, you know, most of the people I work with, um, one of their big struggles is to um, create the kind of change they want in the current platforms are in and, and kind of really pushing and stretching to, to create impact that way. What you and sports have is already an, uh, a giant megaphone and a giant workshop um, that is, that is uh, emotionally connected to so many people. So you, um, should you choose to really activate purpose in yourself and, and in your sport and in your, you know, um, sport entity, whether it's a business or a team, you have an um, unmatched um, and unprecedented um, uh, um, power in the platform to um, connect with people and to see your particular calling uh, uh, realized out in the world. And so um, I, I just want to bring attention that you're, you're sitting on the you know, what the rest of the world is craving in terms of, of creating, you know, positive impact at scale. And uh, the moment that you choose to, to, to look at it that way and begin to lean into well, what would it look like if I um, use this big platform called sports to activate my own calling into the world, what would that look like? And how might I do that? And, and, I know that with just asking those two questions that a series of tumblers will begin to take place where at the end you'll be able to look at the world and actually see um, a huge impact that, that your awareness and action was able to, to make. And it's, it's a gift of finding yourselves in a platform that has that innate capability of scale. It's a great place to end. Thank you, Cook. Thank you, Neil. This has been a, a pleasure and, and uh, thank you for the work that you do. We hope that you've enjoyed listening to this edition of Legacy Sport Live, the companion podcast series to our new book, Legacy Sport, how to win at the business of sport in the age of social good. Please visit our website at www.legacysport.org to order your copy of the book and join our growing community of sports business professionals committed to doing good while doing well through sport.